Well, hey, Harvest, good to be back together. Good to be back in 1 Peter this week. And so if you have a Bible, grab it. Turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. And uh, I pray that you uh, are taking the 1 Peter challenge. I pray you're committing yourself to that. You're devoting yourself to it, to the hiding of God's word in your heart. And I would just tell you, even if you haven't started or you said like, I'm still not going to do that, it's not too late to start. And even if long after this series is done, you are still working your way through getting 1 Peter in your heart it will not return void and so get after it and as we pick it back up in first peter chapter one this week we're going to jump in at verse 22 but i want us to worship together as a member of our church leads us through reciting first peter one verses one through 21 so let's worship together as they recite and uh, kind of get us back to where we're picking it up here in the letter today so let's watch this Peter, Peter, Apostle, Apostle of Jesus Christ, Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, in accordance to the foreknowledge of God the Father, and sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while you are grieved by various trials, so that through the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though tested in the fire, may result in praise glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating, predicted the sufferings of Christ and subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, and the things that have been announced to you, to those who have preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things in which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father, the one who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from your futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown at the foundations of the world and made manifest in the last time for you. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. 
What strikes me every time I'm reciting the beginning of 1 Peter is that Peter wastes no time to get right to the gospel, right to all that is ours in Christ, the riches we have in the inheritance in Christ, all that is true of us because we are gospel people. Uh, but then as Peter makes his way through chapter 1, he's getting to what, are, what should mark the life of someone who is a gospel person? What should mark the life of someone who is born again? And last time that we were in the book of 1 Peter, we said uh, that some of the marks of a Jesus follower is that our full hope is on this full grace, this future grace when we are in the presence of Jesus. We also said that a mark of a Jesus follower is that we are in hot pursuit of holiness. We want to grow in holiness because we want to be like our Father. Uh, we pick it up here today in uh, verse 22 of chapter 1, and Peter's going to lay out for us uh, two more marks of a Jesus follower. And uh, today can really be summarized, uh, these two marks can really be summarized in this one statement. And so kind of the statement over the message today is this, um, we love God's people and we long for God's word because we love and long for God. We love God's people and we long for God's word because we love and long for God. Now, I know that if you have walked with Jesus any amount of time at all, you can take kind of that summary statement of the whole message and go, man, I, I feel like I already know that. And isn't it true that um, sometimes we do already know these things, but we need worshipful reminders. We, we need redemptive reminders. And so today we're going to take this statement in its two parts, uh, finish out chapter one, get into chapter two of First Peter, and talk about what does a love for God's people look like? What does a longing for God's word look like? And as we do, we're praying that Jesus uh, will form us into a greater likeness in of himself and our rejoicing in the gospel and the work that it's doing in us will flow out of us in a greater way. And so uh, let's take this in its two parts and let me just kind of give us the first point right off the bat here. And the first point is this, we love God's people because we've been loved by God. Pick it up with me, uh, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. And so um, I want to take kind of the latter part of this first point uh, first, that we love God's people because we've been loved by God. How does Peter remind us of how God has lavished his love on us here? Look at how he starts this in verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. Now, what is he saying there? How, how have our souls been purified? 
uh, our souls have been purified through this obedience to the truth. What is this truth that Peter is talking about here? I believe the rest of kind of the passage here helps us understand that. He's going to begin to talk about the imperishable word in which we have been born again by. And then all the way down at the end of chapter, or verse 25, he says, and this word is what? This word that he's referring to is specifically this good news that was preached to you, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Peter's saying here, your souls have been purified by your obedience to the gospel, by your faith in this gospel message, the work, the redemptive work that Jesus has done on our behalf. This is soul purifying. As I was thinking about the purifying work that the gospel does in our heart uh, through our obedience of faith, it just brought me back to uh, a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 11 is such a beautiful verse, and it comes on the heels of Paul, uh, who's writing this, just listing out like these life-dominating sin patterns. And then he gets to this beautiful uh, reality in uh, verse 11. And he says, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. God has lavished his love on us through our obedience to the gospel message and the work that Christ has done to wash us, to purify our souls. Um, uh, how else does... This unpack for us that uh, God has so loved us. Look at what Peter goes on to say uh, as he gets to uh, verse 23. He says, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So he's reminding us again the fact that we're born again. He's reminding us to rejoice in the gospel realities, that we are born again through the imperishable word of God. This gospel, as he defines it in verse 25. Now, I, I love this, that throughout this letter, Peter never gets far away from the gospel. Uh, this is a command we're talking about, and the command here is that we would love one another uh, from an earnest uh, and pure heart. We're going to get to the command part of this, but he's embedding this command in what is true of us in the gospel. Peter never gets far from anchoring everything he's saying, anchoring every command he's giving in the rejoicing in the gospel. Uh, it kind of brought to mind this week this picture of uh, a mountain climber, and uh, I have zero experience uh, being a mountain climber, but um, I've seen the videos, you see the pictures of the climber harnessed in, unless they're one of those crazy free climbers, but typically harnessed in, and, and as they're making their way up the mountain, as there's movement, as there's progress, they are anchoring themselves in to, 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 to holds on the edge of the rock, to these metal uh, 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 things that they're clipping uh, into that's anchoring them, that's keeping them safe as they make progress. Isn't this so much of the Christian life? 
that the gospel is what we are continuously anchoring into that's actually giving us the sure foundation, uh, the, the anchoring hope to carry out the commands that God has given us. And so uh, uh, Peter here, he's saying, listen, I'm giving you a command to love God's people. But that command is flowing out of an understanding of how much we have been loved by God. And he references the fact that we've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the word of God, through this gospel message. And then um, he quotes here, he quotes here Isaiah chapter 40. This little kind of indented section is a couple verses out of Isaiah 40. It says, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Uh, as he quotes this part of Isaiah 40, I believe Peter is hearkening back to all of Isaiah 40. It's kind of a shorthand way of calling his readers towards the truths that are unpacked in Isaiah chapter 40. And in a minute, I'm going to have you go right there in your living room and read all of Isaiah 40, because if Peter is hearkening his readers back to there, he's hearkening us back to there to understand that what is imperishable and what is perishable. And if, and if you turn to Isaiah 40, you will see at the very top, at least in uh, the version of the Bible I'm preaching out of the ESV, um, the heading over Isaiah 40 says this, comfort for God's people. Uh, remember who Peter's writing to. Uh, these are people who, uh, verse 6 told us, are being grieved by various trials. There is uh, stress, there is pain, there is heartache, life is hard. And I believe in calling the people back there, he's saying, I want you to remember the imperishable quality in which you have been born again with. And I also want you to remember what is perishable, what is fleeting, what is only momentary. Uh, Isaiah 40 is a, a special chapter in my life. Uh, um, my uh, grandmother, who walked so nearly to Jesus when she passed, um, Isaiah chapter 40, the entire chapter, um, I got to read at her funeral. And this was a chapter... Uh, that my grandmother had anchored in for nearly 40 years. Uh, she passed uh, roughly 40 years after my grandfather had tragically passed. And Isaiah 40 was the returning anchor point in which she found herself back in often. It reminds us what is imperishable about our call to the Lord and being born again. It also reminds us of the things that are perishable. These are fleeting moments. And I believe this Peter gets their eyes back on the truths of Isaiah 40. He is seeking to remind them of these things. And so before we get to the command of all of this, that we would love one another with a brotherly love, we have to understand that that love, the source of it, only comes when we understand the love that God has lavished on us. And to help us do that, I want you to pause right now, and I just want you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 40, and I want you to read through the whole chapter right there in your living room or wherever you're watching, and I want you to linger here. I want you to take some time in this. If there's a part of this that jumps off the page into your heart, don't rush past this, but worship your way through through Isaiah 40 for the purpose of reminding yourself of the imperishable word, 
Grass, uh, fleeting. Flowers, they're gone. But the word of the Lord abides forever. And it's this word, the gospel message, that anchors all of your hope and that lets the love of God flow into your heart so that you can actually carry out this command of loving one another that we're about to get to. So read in your living room Isaiah 40 right now. Uh, the, the point is that we love one another because we have been loved by God. We've been talking about how God has shown us his love, how Peter's reminding them of that. But now to the command part of this first point of the sermon. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. You've been purified by your obedience to the gospel. Uh, you've been purified for brotherly love, sincere brotherly love, not fake love a sincere brotherly love, and then the command, love one another earnestly. Every word of Scripture is uh, spirit-led. Every word of Scripture is breathed out by God. Peter doesn't just say love one another. He says love one another earnestly, earnestly, with with a sincere conviction, with a sincere and intense conviction. We are to be people who love one another, love God's people with a sincere and intense urgency and conviction. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That it would be an earnest, intense, convictional love that flows from a pure heart. Not fake love that flows from a desire to get out of this person what I want to get out of them, not a fake love that uh, uh, appears to flatter or say something so that we can get something in return. It is a sincere love. When we understand Jesus lavished his love, went to the cross, withheld nothing, it produces in us a sincere and earnest love that is willing to be completely and totally abandoning of self to give for another. Um, Jesus told us, right, by this, all the world will know that you're my disciples if you what? If you love one another. And so he didn't say, by this, all the world will know that you're my disciples if you have a little Jesus fish on the back of the car. Nothing against that. I love that. Uh, He didn't say, this is how all the world will know that you're my disciples, by your cool Christian t-shirts. Love them. They're great. Uh, He didn't even say, by this, all the world will know that you're my disciples if you eat at Chick-fil-A and shop at Hobby Lobby. Although, like, for both of those things. In fact, uh, our family just did the most Christian thing we've ever done. We ate Chick-fil-A in the Hobby Lobby parking lot. Like, uh, I don't know how you'd be more spirit-led than that, right? No, he says, by this, all the world will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And Peter is calling the people here, uh, bask in the love that God has poured out on you, the fact that you're born again, the fact that your soul has been purified and love one another earnestly with a brotherly love. And like, I just look at this section and my prayer for me, my prayer for you is this, God, grant me a genuine love. God, grant us a genuine love for people. That's sincere that's pure, that's really about 
what is best for them? How do I serve them in a way that Jesus has made much of and Jesus has formed in them in a greater way? And what a, what a great reminder for us in this season. As, you know, uh, the last Friday now, the governor had kind of announced the stages of reopening. What a great reminder for us um, that we are to be people who love with a sincere and pure love. Like, you're like, how do those two things connect? Let me just kind of lay out for us. What, what does real, real love and reopening look like? Real love and reopening. Just three things I kind of want to highlight for us in this season very practically. Uh, the first one is this, real love and reopening. Um, real love is thinking about who can't reenter right now as things reopen. You know, so, you know, I, I'm so excited. I'm excited for things to start to reopen and to be able to do some more things and go back to the places that we love and to start doing a bit of what normal life looked like before all this. But there's people who are in the at-risk category. There's people who, as everything else starts to reopen around them, they, they can't re-enter that yet. They still have to walk very cautiously. They have to stay home more. I want us to think about within the context of our, our family in Christ and within the context of our neighborhood, like who is God burdening us for to serve and to reach out to and to love and to be intentional who can't re-enter right away as things reopen. What does real love and reopening look like? A second one that I just want to highlight is this. It looks like uh, uh, really loving those who differ on all of the details of how this should reopen and when this should reopen and what, you know, what all this looks like. I mean, right? COVID-19 has brought out uh, as many different opinions across the spectrum as there are people in the world. What does it look like for us to love well in the reopening for people who differ, have differences of opinion on how all this should work and what all this is about? We have a great opportunity to really love well in this. What does real love and reopening look like? The third thing that I would notice is um, just that real love would permeate from us as believers to a fearful, frustrated anxious culture. I don't know if you've been out and about at all. Um, do you feel what the stores feel like right now? Uh, have you maybe gotten too close to someone in a store and received a glare back for it? Do people seem a little more edgy and a little less patient trying to figure out how to do life again with other people when we've been quarantined for so long. My prayer for us is that our grace would abound in this season as Jesus followers. That we would respond to glares with grace. Uh, that we would respond to words that are maybe a bit uh, annoyed or biting towards us with gracious words in reply. That love would permeate from us to an anxious, fearful and frustrated culture in this season. And so I just want to give us some time to pray for that right now. If it's true that um, our heart must be swimming in the gospel and the love that God has shown towards us, if we're going to be a people loving to others, then we should probably pray right now. And let's just use the words of this passage. Lord, would you give me a sincere brotherly love? Lord, um, would you allow me to love earnestly from a pure heart? 
Lord, would you daily remind me of how you have loved me so that would then motivate me in turn to love other people. We just pray for those things right now together. So Peter is reminding us of all that God has loved us. We are to be people who love one another with an earnest, sincere, pure love. But then he's going to get, as we turn now to chapter 2, this kind of flows right into chapter 2, that uh, the Jesus follower, yes, is to love God's people, uh, but the Jesus follower also longs for God's word. Why? Because we love God and we long for God. Uh, A second point is this. We long for God's word because We long for God. Look at what Peter says in verse 1 of chapter 2. He says, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. He's about to tell us what, what, what are the things, what is the thing we should be longing for. But before he gets to what we should be longing for, he's like, i got to clear the deck. And we got to talk about the things that we got to put away, get out of our life as a Jesus follower. And he lists these things right here. Put away all malice. Uh, malice is an intent to do evil. And, and, and I know some of us are probably going like, yeah, I don't really think I struggle with that. But it's intent. He says, put away all malice. Even that tiny little thing that kind of takes joy when someone you don't really like goes through a hard time. Put that away. He's like, there is no place for that in the heart of a Jesus follower. Get malice gone. He says, put away all deceit. Any form of dishonesty. Deceit is any form of dishonesty. He says, put away all deceit. The deceit overtly when we say things that aren't true, but the deceit covertly when we don't say something that we probably should say that would reveal the truth. He says, put away all deceit. He says, put away hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, claiming one thing and doing another. And I I read this, and I'm like, I don't want to live a life of a hypocrite, but I see hypocrisy in my own heart, right? And if we're honest with ourselves, we all see hypocrisy, places that we're claiming one thing, saying one thing, and yet our actions don't totally align. He says, put that away. He says, put away envy. Envy is the resentful longing for what someone else has. If God in his wisdom has not given this to us, uh, we shouldn't have a resentful longing for what someone else has. Instead, we should out of love rejoice in what they have. He says, put away envy. He says, put away all slander, uh, false damaging statements about others. He says, these things have to go. They have no place in the born-again life of a Jesus follower. So get rid of these. But then he says, long for this. Verse 2, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So verse 1, get rid of all these things. Verse 2, crave, long for, like newborn infants, the pure spiritual milk. What is the pure spiritual milk? I believe it's the Word of God. 
Jesus told us man does not live by bread alone. Man is not sustained by bread alone. Man does not grow up and be sanctified by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That this craving that we're to have as God's people is a longing for the instruction of the Lord, a longing for the law of the Lord in our heart, a longing for God's word. This should be true, a craving, an addiction, a longing for God's word. And Peter gives us the illustration here. He says, long for it like a newborn infant. If you've ever had a newborn or been around a newborn, you know what happens, but while they're hungry, before they're fed, you, you can maybe even go back and hear the cries and the screams, or maybe you are living that right now, but something happens after they get milk, after they are fed. Those cries go to a beautiful calm. They crave, they're longing for milk to eat. And Peter is saying, we as God's people should be craving and longing. The cries of our heart should be bellowing out for the pure spiritual milk, the nourishment of God's word in our life. Um, in the last town Erica and I lived, um, we just had the joy of getting to know uh, an older couple than us and just um, spirit-led man and woman, a great mentors and source of wisdom. He was a farmer in town and uh, he the lord graciously saved him later in his life and i remember eating lunch with him one day i think we were in arby's and i remember that because he he pointed over to a part of the restaurant he says man when i was first when jesus first saved me i would come in here and i would just sit for hours and i would just pour over the scriptures and i would just make comments and questions and he and he was describing this longing to get to know the god of the word through the word of god and that longing in his life uh, it, it just intensified and kept growing and i was just li listening to this older saint and I could see and hear the passion inside of him of the craving he had for the word of God because it's this word of God that sustains us. And then going back to what it says here, that, that by it we grow up into salvation. That's a statement of sanctification. We're growing up day by day more and more into a greater likeness to Christ through the nourishment of God's word at work in us and through us. And so I just want to talk to us a bit about like how do we see the longing for God's word, the, the pure spiritual milk intensify in our life? How do we see the longing for the word intensify? Three things I'd say about that. The first one is this. Before you get into God's word, spend time preparing your heart. Think about anything in life that has great significance. You spend time in preparation. It's important for us, uh, you know, if it's morning, noon, night, whenever it is that we're about to feast in God's word, that it's not kind of like plop Bible down, open it up, here we go. But there's a, there's a part where I think that helps us savor the word 
by just preparing our heart, quieting our heart before the Lord, asking the Lord, help me. I need spiritual eyes to see. I need spiritual ears to hear. I need your spirit to give me understanding of this. Will you prepare my heart right now? What, where is there noise in my heart that you need to silence? Where is uh, there sin I need to go to, to, we need to deal with it before I get into this? But spend some time before you're even in it preparing your heart. The second thing, um, as you're in it, let it marinate. I, I feel like I talk to us about this often, but it's so important, right? I'd rather have food out of a smoker than a microwave. I'd rather have food out of a crock pot than a microwave. I've, I've told you this before of just strolling the aisles at Barnes and Noble and, and, and looking and seeing, you know, three-minute devotions for men. Like, I guess it's better than nothing, but why settle for a microwave version of time in God's Word when He has given us His Word that's sustaining our heart, that we can marinate in it? So slow down and sit and let it marinate. The third thing coming out of the time with Bibles open in the Word, act on it. God desires doers of the Word. Our longing for His Word will only grow and intensify as we live it out and as we act on it and as we're obedient to it and we see the blessings that come from that. It'll drive us back to the study of the Word to understand it better, to go live it out again because we see God at work. We see the power of His Spirit at work as we act. He longs for doers. And so preparing our heart before, marinating on it in it, Living it out after, these are ways that our longing intensifies. The craving grows for the pure spiritual milk of the instruction of the Lord through His Word. This is so important. I can give us those three things, but unless we have what verse 3 highlights, it's not going to matter. The intensity and longing and craving for the Word of God will only come when we have an intensity and longing and craving for the God of the Word. Verse 3 said, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. A reference to Psalm 34, I believe, right here. We have to taste and see how good God is. And when our heart tastes and when our heart sees how good and gracious and glorious and awesome and powerful and majestic and amazing our God is, we will long for the pure spiritual milk so that we get to know him in a deeper and more intimate way. We must taste and see that he is good. And I just want us to close our time here today being able to the best we can taste and see the goodness of God. And sometimes, one of the best ways we can do that is to give testimony to each other of how we are tasting and seeing the goodness of God. And so uh, to close today, here's what's going to happen. Uh, you're going to see here just kind of a mashup video of people recording, um, I am tasting and seeing God's goodness in this season in blank. Just quick testimonies. I'm tasting and seeing God's goodness in this season in or by or through 
this aspect of what God is doing or who God is. And, and as we watch this together, I pray that our hearts would be stirred to where we are tasting and seeing the goodness of God. Because when this video is done, I then want us to open to Psalm 34 to read this psalm on the tasting and the seeing of the goodness of God and then give testimony to each other. Where are you tasting and seeing the goodness of God in this season. And the hope is, as together we savor and taste and see the goodness of God, it'll give us a greater longing for Him. That greater longing for Him will, will drive us to a greater longing for His Word this week. And as we abide in His Word, our love for Him and our love for people will only intensify because we love God's people and we long for God's word because we love and we long for God, period. So let's rejoice together as we watch this and then as you share of where we are tasting and seeing God's goodness right now. Hey Harvest, Pastor Brock asked us to finish the sentence, I have seen God's goodness in this season in... And the, the fill in the blank for us was going to be his peace and his provision. I think even just five, ten years ago, our family would have looked at this crisis of the coronavirus a lot differently. Uh, we would have, been, would have been a lot more worried about how we're going to make ends meet and things like that. And we've actually been able to bless people during this, this time, which is, which is all God's glory. And I think one of the big reasons for that, personally, is I went through Isaiah verse by verse in January, looking at all the notes in my study Bible. and. His sovereignty just overwhelmed me when I read through that. And one of the verses that really stuck out to me that Jen's going to read is Isaiah 14, 26 and 27. I have a plan for the whole earth, a hand of judgment upon all the nations. The Lord of heaven's armies has spoken. Who can change his plans? When his hand is raised, who can stop him? I have seen God's goodness in this season, in his sustaining strength and faithfulness, and the love of family and friends. I have seen God's goodness in this season as we have developed new spiritual rhythms of family worship. I've seen God's goodness in this season as He's, uh, as I've been able to serve the tangible needs of, uh, of others that are act actually hungry and without shelter. And uh, He's provided adequately for our family and um, through our businesses, he's uh, also provided for all of our employees and their families without any interruption at all. And that's truly a blessing. Pam and I have seen God's goodness in this season in giving us peace of mind and comfort during the loss of Pam's parents, both of them, and in my continued furlough for over a month now. And we have grown to appreciate his um, love and his presence evermore. I've been tasting and seeing the goodness of God in this season, as my wife and I have had extra time in the mornings to spend in scripture reading and in prayer together. I'm tasting and seeing God's goodness in this season, in the time that he's giving me, and opportunities to teach my kids new things, I get to know them really well. In God keeping my family safe. And being together and having my family safe. 
and letting us stay connected to the church online. And a friend giving us a new basketball hook for free so we can have another fun thing to do at home. I am tasting and seeing the goodness of God in this season by the beautiful spring weather that we've had, which has allowed us to be outside a lot. I am tasting and seeing God's goodness in this season. I think just for us to slow down and have more intentional and God-centered time uh, together as a family. I'm tasting and seeing God's goodness in this season through my marriage. It's turning our hearts inside out and revealing corners we didn't know we had. I'm tasting and seeing God's goodness in the season by still feeling connected to the church despite being quarantined in our homes. I've experienced the goodness of God and seeing the way he is powerfully using his word through our online services and reaching people who may have never physically walked through the doors of our church, but will click online and listen to a service. So, so excited for the people that I personally know that are hearing the word of God and trusting the Holy Spirit to do a work in their hearts. God is good. Well, hey, Harvest family, I'm seeing God's goodness in this season and being able to stay connected online throughout uh, these uh, past weeks together and hoping uh, and knowing that we're going to be back together again soon. And so uh, I want you to know that you are loved and you are sent and I pray that this week you will see and taste and experience God's goodness in a very fresh way. We love you. Have a great week.